<clears throat> What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 142 of Bounty Board. Uh, I'm your host, um, who's always here, Caleb Sawyer. And with me today, I have two very special guests who are hailing from Zurich, right? Yeah. Nice. Uh, I have uh, Fabio Baumgartner and Phil Stern. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us. And yeah, you guys are from Akamotive, correct? Indeed. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off, Fabio. <laughs> no worries. No worries. How are you guys doing this morning? Ooh, sorry. This afternoon for you. I'm sorry. That's weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty well. We probably already had a couple more coffees than you did. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and, and uh, like catch up while we're recording. <laughs> um, so, you guys are at Okomotive um, and make... You made Far Loan Sales, which is the game I wrote about back in 2018, right? 2019? That's when, uh, I mean, 2018, it's uh, when yeah. it's released. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you're currently working on uh, Far Changing Tides, which is exciting. And you guys recently announced that it's coming to Game Pass on March 1st. But just so everybody can get to know you guys, do you guys want to tell me a bit about who you are and how you got into games? Sure. Uh, Fabio, want to want to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, so my name is Fabio. Um, I'm working as a gameplay programmer and sound designer on, or I worked as a gameplay programmer and sound designer on Far Alone Sales and also now on our second project, Far Changing Tides. Um, I originally did um, software development for like. Uh, in the in the finance <laughs> finance area of business, sure. and then uh, started studying game design a couple of years later, and uh, gladly after my bachelor's degree um, got a job with Okamotive. And that's how I uh, got on board with Farland Sales. Nice, nice. Phil, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I've also uh, studied game design at uh, ZHDK, um, where uh, Fabio was uh, a student uh, one year below me. And uh, Don and Goran, who, who can't be here today, but uh, uh, and Martina, of course, uh, they, they studied a year above me. And uh, Don's uh, bachelor thesis were, was uh, for loan sales. And I had the, the ability when I when I uh, graduated to to join them and and work on the project mostly as a, a level designer, but also I did uh, most of the special effects, uh, I mean visual effects in in the game. Uh, even did some 3D modeling back then. And now on Changing Tides, I uh, do much more game design and level design and writing for for uh, all our projects actually. That's awesome. It's cool that you guys all went to went to college together. Like, yeah. I just started teaching uh, here in St. Louis, and like seeing a bunch of kids work on projects is fun because, like, having covered indie games for like a decade, that's where a lot of them start. And I was reading through uh, some of the development stuff for for Far Loan Sales, and was like, oh, they all went to college together, and then like took their project out of college and made it, which is awesome. Um, so, how long have you guys been a studio? When did you when did you form like formally? Uh, the company was formed in two thousand seventeen, but uh, we worked together uh, from two thousand fifteen sixteen on. 
Uh, it, okay. it, it really depends uh, when we graduated. I mean, I, I joined uh, two, 2016 and Fabio two, 2017, I think. Yeah, I was the last one to join uh, for for loan sales in yeah. in July 17. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Um, what was making that? Oh, you okay? So you're making changing tides now, which is this? Is changing tides a sequel or is it a sister game? Like, is it does it follow up loan sales uh, or is it just uh, in a similar looking you know aesthetic? It's. Um I think Sister Game um, fits fits uh, quite well. Um, okay. it, it's uh, set in the same universe, but um, we're gonna go on an adventure with a different character than uh, okay. Lone in the first game. Got you. Exactly. Got you. So, uh, what uh, what kind of differences did you guys experience building this? Because like, Farlone Sales is. Most like it feels like a mostly 2D game. Lots of painting for backgrounds and uh, and textures, and it looks like, at least from what we've seen so far, Changing Tides is moving a little further into a, a 3D um, realm. So, like, how was that process different uh, as a studio? The process wasn't that different because uh, Lone Sales looks like a 2D game, but it actually uh, all the environments are 3D. So um, sure. we have. Um, we, we don't have sprites in the background, but uh, 3D models. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we, we uh, improved on the realism. Uh, we, we improved, we had, a, we had an improved, uh, I mean, Unity has improved the engine uh, we use. Um, the lighting has improved uh, and stuff like that. So uh, we, we wanted to use these new features uh, that Unity was giving us. So, um, that that's I think what you mean in in, in case of uh, how it developed visually, but in the end, f- the process itself of building the environments wasn't that different from loan sales. So uh, we that's that's one big part where we could um, really benefit from from the experience we made back with loan sales. Sure, nice. Um, so I wrote about <laughs> I wrote about loan sales back when it came out, yeah. uh, and. Most of the time when I write about something, uh, because I'm an independent journalist, like there's not a ton of likelihood that like a ton of people see it. And so I, <laughs> I remember writing about uh, loan sales and then waking up to see like y'all commenting on it and talking about it. And I was like, oh, no, people are reading it. Uh, but y'all really liked it. And that, that was really that was really touching to me. Uh, that game spoke to me a lot because of like it's messages right like the you start the game off uh saying it seems goodbye to a recently deceased parent uh and then you head off like on this journey across this kind of wasteland um i wonder what kind of like inspirations did you guys take in making uh that story right because there's not really much that's written i don't think there's anything that's written in that game that you read uh aside from like you know, signs uh, and like business names as you pass things. Um, what uh, you know? What what things inspired you, and and how did you like approach telling that story in like an, an, a purely visual sense? I think that was mostly uh, how Don started his bachelor thesis. Um, he he wanted to really have this. Uh, the, these environments he, he wanted to to tell uh, the story in and and more of more create some sort of feeling 
uh, than uh, telling an explicit story. Um, we, we, of course, wrote an explicit story uh, for us, like a world-building story, a personal sure. story of, of the character, as well of, of uh, her family. Um, but in the end, uh, we, we as, the, as the game came together, we, we started more and more implementing these, these little story cues and little story elements. And uh, I think, I, I remember we, we had the discussion uh, about... The, the grave in the beginning mm-hmm. um, which which was a quite intense discussion because uh, it, it really it really sets a tone for the game and it, and it's really <laughs> sure um, an important moment which which wasn't uh, in in the base uh, in the base uh, idea of the game in the beginning. But yeah. as as the game developed, we we more and more uh, saw these uh, themes coming out of the game, and and then we reacted to it and and made them more uh, intense and and more conscious choices. Sure, sure. And how much did those choices uh, like impact game? Uh, not gameplay. Yes, sorry. How much did that impact gameplay design? Because the game largely is like a mechanics management. Um, experience with puzzle solving, of course. You get to, you know, each little checkpoint and you have to figure out how to move things and open doors and attach little bits to your to your locomotive. Uh, how much did, like, what you built in world building, writing beforehand, uh, impact, like, how and where those things were placed inside the locomotive? I think, like, the, the very core that was standing in the beginning of development already was like the player vehicle relationship and uh, I think it got I mean I joined last so maybe I'm the wrong person to talk about this but um, I think it was very clear early that there had to be some some like up and downs in that relationship as well and so um, like there had to be a moment where maybe you have to fix something on your ship and so forth and that was really like like the starting point and then from that on you kind of if you just kind of follow the logic of this relationship you end up with certain like world events that just kind of make sense yeah uh, um and, and it really starts to develop it's it's always like the game is making itself (laughs) yeah yeah it also has really good moments of emergent gameplay that i'm sure you didn't specifically like plan for but times where like i would hop out without putting the brake foot down and then a breeze would pick up and i'd be like oh shit i have to like run (laughs) after my my vehicle just running away from me which thankfully you programmed in that like if it gets too far the sails will go down and it will stop because there were moments where it left the screen for a second, and I was like, "I've never, it's gone forever." It's gone. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> that like that like windmill you're in is that tornadoes blowing through yeah. that town. I don't think I was in it when the door opened, so it rolled down the the like plank boardwalk as this tornado's coming, and I was like, "I'm gonna get hit by this tornado. I'm not gonna be able to outrun this." Um, yeah, that that stuff really added to the to the atmosphere and also that relationship that you wanted to build between the player and that vehicle. Um, also, like the moments in the like pitch black dark with the stars, where you're, it's just you and the sound of the machine. Ah, it's so well designed. Um, 
What, <laughs> what about the... Um, so, I mean, I guess the world, if you take it at face value, is post-apocalyptic. <coughs> Excuse me. And you come across a bunch of, you know, ruined towns. And, like, there are some that do appear as if, like, this one was ruined. And then they built another one. Um, I don't remember what the name of that town is, but it kind of, like, the signs suggest, like, it's a new beginning. And that's, no one's there anymore. Um, and then you come across, like, the, the big industrial, like, area that's got all of the, like, broken machines and things like that. Like, what, um, I don't know. You don't have to be specific, right? Because world building is fun when you can kind of leave it out and show it instead. Um, what kind of story were you trying to tell with the world like it seems like it's kind of uh we did too much to the environment and didn't pay attention to it and it just kept destroying our attempts to fix it or get away from it um is that at all close yeah yeah i mean uh some somewhat um we the the base of of uh, the world building was that the sea was retreating uh, and and the civilization didn't actually know why this is, is was happening, okay. and and they started to follow the sea because um, a lot of their economy and and a lot of of uh, uh, what who they were as a, as a people uh, was connected to the sea. Sure. And so they they uh, steadily followed the sea, and uh, through the retreat of the sea, there also came some other uh, problems uh, with the, with the. We have this zone where these uh, tornadoes are ravaging the entire um, uh, place and and breaking up uh, what they've built, and it, it's it's kind of. Uh, uh, a civilization who is who needs to to move uh, on a steady on a steady pace to 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 follow what what gives them life in in, in sure yeah did um did you guys give a name do you have an internal name for the giant locomotive you get into with the stilts does that have like a an actual model name or or no uh, i mean we we called it the land cruiser Okay. Um, uh, that's that's what we called it internally, but I think there's also a name below the picture in it. There there are three or four pictures in, right. in the gallery, and I think there's a name for it, but I I don't know it uh, off the top of my head. For us, it was just like uh, I'm working on the Land Cruiser. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, yeah, that seems incredible, and a large part of it. Uh, for me, that scene specifically is uh, Joel Shock's music, uh, which I don't know. There are a lot of games that like have good scores. I'm not trying to take away from people that also make good scores. I'm not trying to say there's too many, um, but the, I think the ones that use scores the best are smart about how they utilize it. And I thought Lone Sales was really particular because there are long periods of time where there's just no. Um, musical accompaniment to what's happening uh, and it happens specifically in moments where the the world is either making enough sound that like music would be extra or there's just no sound at all um, like that first scene when you've got the stars above you and it's pitch black and you're just listening to the sound of the motor and all of the things that you're interacting with or when like the storms roll in and you've got rain and hail plinking off the top of the the craft um how much of that stuff was programmed from the start and how much of that stuff was kind of accidentally like oh this works really well here let's leave it like this 
um, I think one one system we came up at some point during development was that we decided that we wanted to have music only when we are driving or when the players are driving with the vehicle okay. and we um, we leave away music when the player is stationary and okay. um, the reason for this uh, was uh, for once like the music really supports the flow of, of being in movement and uh, and getting on with the vehicle uh, yeah. but also it was a question of efficiency <laughs> like this way <laughs> sure. um, this way we were able to really like focus um, sound design for for the obstacles and hops the player encounters during the game without yeah. having to build up um, for example complex soundscapes for for really large stretches uh, of the game where where players are like moving through space very quickly but if there would have been no music at all we would have still uh, have had to make like uh, more complex uh, sound ambient scenes and so forth sure sure there's a is a really fun uh, you know not maybe not trend but there's a fun genre of music in games where like all of the all of the sound is really programmatic and really like is adaptive to what you're doing and it th this game really felt like it paid careful attention to what you were doing so that the music when it played had the most impact and when it didn't play also had the most impact some of the most impactful scenes were when it was silent and it was just the sound of what i was doing like going through a cavernous you know gate system to open something up where it's just silent very good very good i loved it um so the one of my biggest takeaways from the game which uh if when you guys read the article you commented on was the fact that like it is this journey across this place with what seems like the last memory of the person that you bury at the beginning um and as you go of course you build that relationship with it but then at the end um it well it's uh, several times it breaks right you you break the engine at one point and you have to go find a torch so you can fix it um you frequently break the sa at least I frequently broke the sails because I would run into things with them. <laughs> the, the times that I was able to drop them real quick before I hit something were the best times, but I normally would just hit it. Um, and then you crack the wheels and have to replace them. So this whole time, it's this relationship of like kind of caring for this thing. And then the game really brutally just takes it from you at the end. Um, how much of that was something that y'all had to draft and redraft? Or was that kind of an idea from the beginning that you just kind of knew you would get there? It, it, it was really interesting. Um, we had, uh, programmatically, uh, the, the, the locomotive always was two parts. Um, because uh, we had these uh, uh, hinge joints uh, from the back uh, to the front. So it felt sure. or organically when it was moving over... over uh, or the landscape and at some point uh, I think our lead programmer Goron was was like talking about why why don't we break it apart I mean it's it's broken apart anyway so so uh, <laughs> it, like systematically and 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 we were like going why why weren't we thinking of that earlier sure. i mean it makes so much sense uh in 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 all of the how the story works and and mm -hmm. how progression works 
um, and and about this uh, dying world and and the relationship you build and uh, well, what would be uh, uh, more impactful than than having your friend uh, getting hurt like really bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> which which right. is a, a very emotional uh, moment and and it, it was it was so obvious of an idea when we when we heard it that we 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 had to do it sure sure i love when when you're like sitting and brainstorming in a story portion of development and someone's like what if we did this and you're like oh we should have always thought of doing yeah, this. exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> i love when that stuff happens um so yeah at the end our character the character ends up uh on a on a coastline finally finding the water and lighting a beacon and waiting and then hearing a ship uh and then i think not unintentionally the next game's about being in a boat in water um what kind of hmm again i don't want to like ask get you guys to i don't want to try and like make you guys tell too much um you said it's in the same world changing yes. tides is in the same world uh but it's yes. with a different character yeah. um is there is it a similar time like is it the same like everything's kind of fallen apart kind of time or are we gonna like come across people that exist in the world that are doing okay in, that in might changing, be that might be a very spoilery question. That, that, that's, that's a question <laughs> I I choose not to answer or answer okay. partially. Um, but uh, in Changing Tides, you have uh, also a situation uh, which which isn't very uh, suitable for for living. Uh, <laughs> that uh, you start off in, in a town that's completely flooded and. Um, you have you have uh, you encounter this ship and uh, it, it's not yeah I mean it's it's still in in construction and you have to to add the finishing touches and and like uh, let it to water and and it's it's kind of a, a samey situation as as with lone sails but I think the devast uh, I mean the devastation happened more recently. Sure. Okay. Uh, than than uh, it did in Lone Sales. In Lone Sales, you have this uh, civilization uh, following the ocean for for uh, decades, and in in Changing Tides, you have these these recent events which uh, caused the destruction. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, I'm not gonna ask you to say too much, and I'm then I'm gonna finish asking this very spoiler-filled question. <laughs> <laughs> <Totally> <laughs> <Shame okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so, mechanically, Lone Sales has how many components in the in the locomotive? You've got the engine, steam, the brake, uh, the fire hose, which yeah. I did not know I had for a very long time. I was like, how do I fix this? <laughs> um, the repair torch, the debris scoop. And then the the, uh, the the engine, the fuel loading system, yep. and the sails. So like eight. Um, did you have any more that you cut, or did you like at some point go, oh, we have to add this, or were they all intentional? Um, we had uh, different elements. Like the, there once I think was a weather balloon. You could like let up to to or or uh, a periscope, which you which was used to to zoom out. Sure. Um, which which uh, afterwards we just implemented into to the controls, mm -hmm. um, but 
in the beginning those were were actual modules uh, for for the vehicle um, and there, there of course was a lot of, of uh, discussion and and doing certain uh, modules in in different ways so we had um, uh, with the uh, uh, fuel scoop. Uh, we had different uh, ways how it how it would work. Uh, if if you press the button, it only will run for a certain time, or uh, it would would lo- uh, use a lot of fuel or or stuff like that. So we we had uh, a lot of discussions uh, in in that manner. Um, but from the prototype done made, uh, we had this these basic elements which we wanted to have in the vehicle and. And that's what we then ended up doing because sure. at some point we, we just had uh, this uh, amount of time to to do it, uh, or otherwise we would like uh, completely run out of money or or time. Uh, sure. And so we we did uh, what what we intended to do and and uh, didn't like stray much from from what we intended in the beginning. Sure. How. Um how did that help inform like how to make the next vehicle in um, in changing tides? Did you um, you know is it like a super similar structured vehicle that has a lot of the same components, or did you kind of take the experience from designing the first one and then like addressing underwater and in water gameplay like have to change a bunch of things? Yeah, um, we we changed we changed uh, some parts we we took over and some parts we we had to completely design new as as it has different requirements. But I think one really interesting part would be the sail, which uh, was in loan sails. You just put it up or put it down, and. In changing tides, now you have uh, real controls. You have to adjust it to the direction of the wind. Oh, okay. And uh, to to re- like, if you adjust it better to the wind, you will get more speed. And and if you uh, uh, don't catch the wind as efficiently, you will be slower. So uh, yeah. So you guys played a bunch of Sea of Thieves while you were making it. Uh, we actually we didn't. I I just uh, <laughs> recently. I yesterday actually. Uh, I played Sea of Thieves for the first time. Nice. That game's great. That game's <laughs> yeah. great. But like it's, sailing it's amazing. is sailing is very a very tactile experience in that game where you yeah. have to do everything to catch wind. And my family and I play and our our most frequent issue is that we have to go somewhere that's like ten minutes away and the wind's blowing directly at us. Nice. So it takes us thirty <laughs> minutes to get there. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I know that from Valheim. <laughs> sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. <laughs> like I need to go over here, and the game's like, but it's gonna take a long time. Yeah, and that's fine. Uh, Fabio, you looked like you were gonna say something about the, yeah. that. My last question too. Yeah, I think like um, the amount of features inside the vehicle hasn't drastically changed. But uh, what we really realized during the development of Changing Tides was, or one of the feedbacks for our loan sales was that people would have wanted more. So um, one of our goals for Changing Tides was um, to provide more playtime. But with this more playtime, we also realized we we had to make the features deeper so that there was like more of a sense of of game mastery and and really Mm -hmm. getting to know the ship. Um, But we also changed some of the features more than we would have necessarily needed to 
just to make sure like the the new vehicle develops in a that an identity of its own and is yeah. not just like the locomotive version two right sure uh also like i'm sure if you extended the amount of playtime there is you probably had to address like how frequently and how like spaced the like upgrades that you are given are right because lone sales is only a two-hour game <laughs> um if you take your time i've seen people beat it in like an hour which okay yeah that's fine <laughs> but if you um but if that game's only two hours you kind of get all of the things you're going to add to it in terms of function within the first like 30 45 minutes um so was figuring out that timing for this next game tricky trying to figure out like how when do we add things when do we like prompt players to use things differently or was that more of an organic like oh our game's longer we should just kind of stretch these out um, actually, we we were surprised how good it worked when we when we did the ladder. I mean, we uh, we started off um, with just like laying out uh, the, the the whole track and then thinking about in in which uh, steps you you would need to get the upgrades. Uh, did some testing on that and. Uh, we did. We had some some really early play tests with uh, with some friends. Like uh, they were just like running around in boxes, and uh, one feedback that was really interesting is uh, that that I got multiple times is uh, that they're surprised how how good it works uh, to have a bit more distance, a bit a bit more slow paced uh, loop w- uh, within uh, the the vehicle. Uh, than in loan sales, but it still would work and it still would feel right and not not stretched out. But but sure. uh, m- more having more time within the loop also um, gives you more time to to look at things. Uh, I think that was uh, a lot of or some criticism we got for loan sales is you're so busy within the vehicle that you miss the beautiful landscapes. Sure. So um, we were were thinking a lot about that and. Uh, Try to to stretch out and and then like give give the player the time to to decide uh, when to work uh, the the engine and when to take their time to to look at the environment and and explore. Sure, yeah. I uh, some of my favorite moments in that first game are those moments where like you first open the sails as you hit that like dune sea kind of portion, and you just kind of. Oh, I don't have to do anything. Like the the world is pushing me forward, or going down a large hill and being able to just kind of like take things in. Um, I imagine that like building a game on the ocean kind of gives you the opportunity to play with that a little bit more because like you can kind of just go on the water and like you said, if you're you know positioning sails to give you some locomotion, like you can kind of set it up and then just take a take a seat and look at stuff. Um, how much of the 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 I guess uh, changing tides. How much of the that development process was about figuring out how this vehicle is going to move in the world, right? Because being land-based on the first one, save that one time you hop in that uh, little skiff to go across that little brief portion of water you find, um, is one design ethos. And this next one, you're not just sailing on the surface; you're also going underwater, and I assume you're also disembarking to like solve puzzles as you did in the first one so you kind of added several layers of ways to interact and move through the world how how was figuring out how to make that work like how to, how was that process 
um, like very long. <laughs> I guess the process was very long and cumbersome, but uh, also really awesome. Like when we when we started to play around with like very basic prototypes for how we could simulate water in any shape or form, uh, we realized that just like the dynamic of just having the vehicle being moved by the world a little bit all the time made the whole thing feel like so much more dynamic sure. uh, and and really, really changed the feel of it so much. Uh, one thing in terms of game pacing, which was really challenging, was um, like we had a rhythm from Farlone sales in terms of for for the resource gathering. So we ha- we had like kind of sort of an understanding of like um, how how often the player would go out, and this was something we we iterated over um, quite a bit for changing tides to kind of develop an, an understanding of okay. How often do we have the player to interrupt uh, their traveling to gather resources, and how how much resources does a player need to cross like that much of a distance, and and sure. all that kind of stuff? This was something um, we worked on quite a bit, uh, and also how to like the one of the reasons we wanted to we wanted to put the game in water. <laughs> was also to give the player a way to explore the world on on one more axis, right? If you right. if you're only allowed to to go left or right, you're extremely limited in designing interesting levels and places to explore for the player. Um, and it was it was a challenge to to kind of get a system of how can we communicate to the player where it is a good place to kind of stop stop your voyage to go exploring um, and where it doesn't really make sense and it maybe is more... Uh, there's there's a bigger incentive to just keep going. Sure. So sure. That was something that that, uh, that was quite difficult. Yeah, sure. I... Uh, I- not to bring Sea of Thieves up constantly, but uh, <laughs> one of its methods of getting you to like, because you could swim around, but most of it's just kind of blank and underwater mm-hmm. geometry, uh, geography. But like, when they want you to stop, they give you a little thing like peeking out. So I, I can I can see that that would be an interesting thing to like figure out, not just mechanically, right? Because you could just put like a, hey, go down here, <laughs> arrow or something. <laughs> Uh, so not just designing it mechanically, but designing it like so that it fits within the the world and like the the situation that you're in. Um, sorry, it's early, and I don't know how y'all's weather has been, but ours has gone from like 50 degrees Fahrenheit to like 10 every nice. like three or four days. So my sinuses just hate it. So I have a little bit of a cough in the morning. So I apologize for that. No worries. <laughs> um. So. You've got this new game coming out in March. Um, I'm sure you guys are working on projects or starting to prototype projects uh, outside of that. What is it like um, designing with with your team? Just like overall, like I mean, I don't. I'm not asking you guys to like review your coworkers, but like what what makes um, working with this group of people, you know, fun enough to make you want to keep making things with them? 
I think um I think what's really cool is we how should I put this? The our design process is very democratic. So Sure. The, so um a lot of people or, or like everybody on the team is interested in like being part of the whole ideation process and we're we're all very critical but in a constructive way like it's never like nobody ever gets attacked for for like voicing a concern or or an idea in the first place but uh it's it's an intense process. It's very intense, like sitting there for an afternoon and discussing about like different ideas and and uh, and mechanics and stuff can be very very tedious. Um, sure. But I don't know. It just it just works. It's hard to describe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a big part of it is that we're all friends in in some way i mean we we spend time out of the office uh, with each other uh play games uh, and uh meet for i don't know uh beer uh, barbecue or beer <laughs> or whatever and um we we enjoy each other's company i think and and uh we enjoy each other as 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 people um or spending time with them and i think that's that's a big like that's that's the basis of uh, on how the team works so if someone's down uh like emotionally or or can't like or has a problem then uh the others would help them uh regardless of 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 our work relationship um sure just just uh being there for each other and i think that's that's also really important if you have a design cycle which takes two or three years which can be uh very very intense uh, and also you have your up and downs and and there's always someone who is in a better mood than some somebody else and sure. uh, they, they will try to pick them up and 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 like get them going again and and or listen to them and and everybody is able to voice their concerns so uh I think it's it's really that uh, that relationship outside of work that that makes it work. Sure, it's something that you don't. I I, I don't. There's something that a lot of people don't really think about. Uh, I think when it comes to like the creation of entertainment, specifically animation and game design, is that these things take years, and like movies can take that long. Right? There are definitely instances of like the Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings were all filmed over like a five year span, so everybody just moved to New Zealand. But most of the time, filming is like six to eight weeks, sometimes three months, sometimes six months. But that's it. And games, like on the short side, are two years. Um, and then you have, you know, like Eric Barone, who made Stardew Valley by himself for five and a half years. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really important to, like, realize that, like, that's a long time. And, like, life events happen in that time, right? Like, it's not just... Uh, six months in this job and then moving on to the next thing it's like no people have kids <laughs> or get married or like have relationships start or end they move because like two to three years is a long time and I think being close to the people you work with is definitely important um, and the kind of something that we're seeing the larger uh, studios in the industry kind of struggle with because like there's so many people that 
It's weird. The more people that like are in one place, the more uh, likely it is to be lonely. Because there's just so many people that the connections aren't as deep sometimes. Um, all, most of the indie studios I've talked with are all like, we just kind of love hanging out with each other. Like, because you can do that. There's, what, eight of you? There's ten of you? There's fifteen of you ever at a time? So it's like, oh, we can actually all go to a restaurant and not get thrown out because we've completely filled up the restaurant. <laughs> Um, speaking of loneliness, a, lo- a, a big thing that stuck with me, and the, I think the reason why Lone Sales stuck with me for years, is because it how it addresses loneliness by like giving you this relationship with this vehicle, right? Um, but despite that, like the 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 journey you take through that world is sad and kind of lonely because of what like has happened and what you're kind of experiencing. And then like I remember replaying that game in 2020. And being like, oh man, <laughs> this this feels even more uh, poignant. Uh, how did you know? Because you've been making changing tides, I imagine. Like you said, for two ish years. Like, how did making another game in the same world with, I would imagine, because it's the same world, similar themes of loneliness. How did that? I, don't, I guess maybe not. How did it impact you? But how were y'all's experiences being separate and not being able to meet and having to work remotely how did that kind of impact how you were able to tell the story a second time I mean like uh, having to work uh, at at home and everything was uh, quite a challenge I think we've we've managed to remain productive on a surprisingly high level, like I think the whole, <laughs> the whole cooperation uh, from like with everyone working from home and stuff worked much better than I would have anticipated when when we had to start working in that mode. Um, for me personally, it was really hard on an emotional level um, sure. because, um, like you said before like you're working on something for more than two years every day and uh you're kind of like trying to get problems solved and and there's like only this thing and like having having this feeling of okay like i'm i'm not alone in this like it's it seems like an uh unsurmountable amount of work but i'm not alone in this i have great people with me and with working alone from home it can sometimes feel like okay i have this huge list of stuff i need to do (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sitting here alone like it's um like for me personally this was really hard and uh like you said like working on something that's not super positive uh, at all times yeah um, or at sometimes is uh, didn't make it any better. I actually think that there is a chance that the tone of changing tides has slightly changed uh, actually because of this. Like sure. I think it's 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 hard to say, but I feel like maybe we would have made some different uh, design decisions. Yeah. In some cases, but uh, Philip looks like he disagrees. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not disagreeing. I, I, uh, uh, it's the first time ever this uh, thought crossed my mind. Uh, I mean, uh, we, we haven't talked, we haven't talked about this. Um, no, not yet. 
But yeah, yeah, of co- of course. I mean, uh, we'll we'll have a debrief uh, soon uh, about uh, <laughs> sure. how uh, uh, post mortem. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, everybody has uh, made made their notes, and uh, we'll we'll talk uh, like for hours probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, I I think it's um, everybody managed differently with uh, working from home. I mean. Uh, there's also this this part of uh, you have uh, more more introverted people and, and more extroverted people, and and the extroverts had had a lo- a much harder time dealing with uh, with working from home. I think. Um, yeah. And for me, it wasn't that hard, but also. But but I, I I also started to to miss like hanging out and and like drinking beer together, um, but. I, I managed much better I think than than uh, Fabio to to, to just uh, do my stuff and then also not having a, a two hour work way every day um, also helps. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so so uh, for me it was it was uh, I think less tiresome than than for others in the team. But but also I, I think it definitely affected the the whole process. Sure. Yeah, I think that like. It's it was the the pandemic like on a larger scale, right? From like the macro uh, sense, served if not for anything else as a means of making people become a little more introspective. Not about, <laughs> not always about like other people, <laughs> but at the very at the very least, uh, <laughs> living in America, that statement makes no sense. Uh, but yeah, in Switzerland, <laughs> neither. Sure, sure. But I, at least in the in the uh, in the capacity of like one's own ability to be happy, um, because like me and. The people that I work with on Nerdy Bits, the people that uh, like my uncle and, and a buddy of mine, we all like interacted through video games and podcasting through Discord windows like this already. So when the world kind of moved to that, we were like, "This is fine. Like, we do this all the time. We're gonna be we're gonna be thriving right now. Everyone else is trying to figure out how they can go to happy hour." But then, you know, that any I guess you know any specific series of. Uh, circumstances continues for more than a year and you're like oh man i miss everything uh what was interesting most interesting to me is my my wife is very introverted um so i thought she would also kind of be fine because she kind of always wants to work from her from home in her pajamas anyway um but like even introverted people that i know including my wife after a few months were like i i don't like being around a ton of people but I do like being around people still. Yeah. <laughs> and so like exactly. Yeah, we're like we're all trying to deal with that and then realizing like, oh no, this isn't stopping like right away. So we have to deal with it going on and figuring out how to become social in bubbles instead of Yeah. It's just it's a it's been a wild time. And there just to speak to, to what Fabio said, like there there are games that like I've been in the process of trying to work on an, an indie game myself, but there are games that I played that just because of the time that I encountered them, I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> I was I was a big fan of the division uh, and was playing yeah. the second one right when 2020 started coming <laughs> into quarantine, and they put out a DLC that I really liked, but like in June, 
going to this game that's in New York after a pandemic in the summer, I was like, eh, I'm gonna go play Stardew Valley or something. I'm not gonna do this. Yeah, like uh, I played, I played a lot of the Division One, but yeah, and I loved it. Like walking through uh, a post-apocalyptic uh, Manhattan in the snow was like the greatest thing ever yeah. and I, like you i picked up the second part and i played it for two days and then i was like yeah it's really neat but i'm not sure like i have the mental <laughs> capacity for this right sure. now <laughs> yeah i don't know if i need this personally yeah i i've i avoided last of us too like i haven't yeah. played that game yet because it came out and i was like mm -mm. <laughs> no I, i don't want I, it to be sad <laughs> I actually uh, just bought uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, for for just walking at the beaches and, and like riding <laughs> nice. with my horse uh, over yes. a beautiful Greek island. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, just 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 having some like holiday in 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 a manner, in some <laughs> getting, way, getting well, away, sure. and and I just enjoy beautiful sunsets at the beach. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, 100%. That game for me this year was Sable, which is made by a small studio in, I think, Greece? Anyway, um, I had, like, I'd had a, a, a back problem from, like, overworking out. I overlifted and hurt my lower back because oh, no. I'm a dum-dum sometimes. Um, and so, like, for, like, two months, like, walking around was a pain. And so, like... Two years of pandemic, and then like also now you can't move for a little bit. Nice. And then Sable came out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and Sable came out, and like that game has no combat, similar to you know Lone Sales, and uh, I I kind of fell in love with it because like all of a sudden here's this big open countryside uh, desert in this case that I can explore safely. And like encounter new landmarks and encounter new vistas and like watch the sunset, and it was like, oh, I, I don't know if y'all have experienced this, but I have. As I get older, I realize that like competitive shooters, as much as I like still enjoy them, they're not like my primary anymore. I find myself playing things like Stardew or playing things like Sable, and then like the shooters that I do play end up becoming something like cooperative. Like the yep. division where I'm not fighting other players, I'm fighting AI. Uh, we play like Deep Rock Galactic or GTFO because we're like, let's fight aliens or zombies. I don't want to play another person who's like 12 and has nothing to do but play this game. And so I'm getting just beat up by th third graders. <laughs> I mean, As I personally, I've never been much of a single player gamer. Uh, for yeah. example, I've I've owned always like uh, I've played a lot of World of Warcraft uh, mm -hmm. and the other MMORPGs, uh, and I think that's even more true now. Like I, when I play, I usually want to play with my friends. Like uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 was a really cool yeah. cooperative game that I played. D&D, &D, um, the video game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Dungeons yeah. and Dragons is really cool. Um, all this kind of stuff is is uh, I, I still I seem to hate myself to keep playing League of Legends, <laughs> although I totally agree that like these competitive games, they're actually I think they're actually really not healthy for my state of mind. But sure. um, <laughs> no, but but I tend to play. I I tend to want to play with people more. Yeah. 100%. I agree. 
do you still play League of Legends because things like like Arcane are coming out, and you're like, oh man, now I now I want to play again. <laughs> uh, actually, not. I think it's it's more like I have a couple of friends uh, from Germany I originally met uh, in World of Warcraft, and um, we we keep in touch through gaming. So yeah. League of Legends, uh, albeit being uh, quite toxic sometimes, is still a possibility for us to play together. So sure, sure. Sure. Phil, what, uh, what kind of games do you find yourself playing most often? Uh, um, I, I play a lot of uh, single-player player strategy stuff, uh, or uh, I, I like have ton of tons of hours in uh, in Civ Six, um, okay. or uh, Slate Aspire, uh, like are are my sure. time sinks. <laughs> sure. sure. Um, but. Uh, I also, I mean, uh, Fabio and I played uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 together and and also looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3 uh, and stuff like that. And, and recently played uh, Sea of Thieves or uh, Valheim or stuff like that. I enjoy uh, playing with other people, but also I, I prefer the cooperative games to the competitive yeah. games in, in general. Um, I'm, I'm more of an explorer and... Uh, like I, I like to to explore games, but not that that competitive uh, thing isn't isn't that much my my sure. cup of tea. Sure. Yeah, I played Rocket League for like three years, and then like nice. last year, uh, at some point I just stopped. Like my at some point my brain was like, you get too mad about this. Don't play it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I haven't played it for like six or seven months. It's crazy. Um, I also. Phil, as you said, like to explore uh, to the point that so my family is a little unique and I, this is the only amount that I'm going to brag about and I promise I'll move on. But my <laughs> we have a family game night on Mondays. Uh, my uncle cool. does nerdy bits with me. So nice. awesome. he's part of he's part of a family game night. But my mom plays. Uh, she started playing like two years ago and my grandmother plays and she's been playing games for like 10 years. Um <laughs> She's put like 24 days into Destiny 2. Like, she plays a lot of Xbox. Nice. Um, but <laughs> despite the fact that, like, they play games a lot, they're wildly impatient. So, like, we'll play Sea of Thieves, and, like, we're going through this big island, and I'm looking, I'm looking for little hidden things and little trinkets and little, like, story bits that are built into the level design. And they're like, where are you? Come on, we need to go. And they pick on me for it. And I hate it so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting just how different people can engage with the same thing. Because like we do like playing cooperatively. But if I decide to go like looking at stuff, they're like, hey, dummy, come back over here. Um, <laughs> it's fun. But... <laughs> It's 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 always weird getting yelled at by a grandma. It's even weirder when it's in Sea of Thieves and she's like dressed as a pirate. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> I, I, I I had that a lot as a kid. Um, my parents would go uh, with me to I don't know some fair or something, and then suddenly I would be gone because uh, <laughs> little Philip would just like stop and look at things, and they would walk on and and. Yeah. Then, turn around and I was gone so uh, that's that's kind of I, I know that feeling <laughs> yeah yeah I never equated it to that but that's that's really good that's yeah that was me as a kid too I didn't realize that those things were tied so thank you for pointing that out <laughs> uh, 
Um, so you've got this new one coming out in March. It's coming to Game Pass, which is awesome. Um, I wish that. Hmm. I wish that I knew, you know, like what kind of impact Game Pass has on developers specifically. I know that stuff's all like super proprietary, but like being on Game Pass is going to allow a lot of people that ordinarily wouldn't, you know, spring for an experience that they've never thought to, to try. Um, so that's exciting because like I know I now know that I can tell all of my friends to play Changing Tides because we all have Xboxes and all have Game Pass. Um, <clears throat> what uh, I don't know, like what what are you most I don't want to say worried about, but like, you know, releasing a new game is like sending your first kid to school. Um, you're worried that people are going to pick on your on it. But you're also like super proud of it for getting there. Well, um, what kind of things are you like excited or worried about people um, seeing in this new game? Like, what what kind of mindset do you guys go into release with? Um, That's a hard one. <laughs> What'd you say, Phil? That's a hard question. Oh, I mean, sure. Yeah, uh, but go first, Fabio. I'm I'm totally glad to leave this one to you. <laughs> I got your back, buddy. Go ahead. Um, yeah, my, I mean, of course, it's super hard. Like, already when we released Farlong Sales, like, uh, a couple of weeks before release, like, we didn't know whether this thing was going to work at all in terms of, like, evoking any emotional response from players. And sure. um, now with the second part, it's really hard because we wanted to create something that's that captures like the magic of of far alone sales while still being a new and cool experience and sure. um i think for me that's that's the thing i'm most anxious kind of about to to just see whether we we deliver like to the players who have played the first game before what they are hoping to see in the second part while also um, doing something that's approachable for players who have not played the first. Sure, sure. And you want to make sure that like you're able to tell something new without just catering to what you think they want, right? Exactly. Like, you don't. You don't just want to like repeat uh, the things that worked in the first game uh, blindly or or uh, without being original and also surprising players in one way or another. Sure. Sure. Phil, does that uh, does that answer it for you, or do you want to add? Yeah. No, it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much. No, I, mean, uh, uh, I, I really. I I feel. I feel really the same. I I think it's it's a. Uh, I'm anxious about people thinking uh, changing tides is is maybe not. They do. I'm afraid of uh, they're not having the same emotional bond uh, or, or sure. connection because. Um, but it, it's also something we really couldn't tell when releasing loan sales. We wouldn't. We we didn't know if like this bonding would work. Um, sure. And and with this one, I think it's the same. We we think it's there, but we we can't possibly tell. Sure, sure. Something I've discovered uh, recently, as I've started teaching, is that like, you know, I've, we're all I think kind of in the same area. Oop! I just bumped my microphone. Sorry. We're all in the same age area, right? Like late twenties, mid thirties. <clears throat> so I think we all have, 
you know, one expectation or not expectation, but like a series of learned experiences of what like people want in games. Um, I went into my first week of classes last week and a part of like getting to know students was being like, tell me, you know, what your favorite couple of games are or genre. And then your least favorite and not like something you hate. I didn't want them to be like, I hate these or this game because that's not don't do that. But like specifically, what things do you bounce off of? Like, what do you try and then go, eh, it's not for me. And more than like 60% of my classes said the thing they bounce off of is first person shooters. And that's wild to me because like growing up as a 90s kid, it was like Doom, Quake, Unreal Tournament, Tribes, and then Halo, and then Call of Duty. Like, th those were just, like, the biggest games. And first-person shooters are still kind of a huge portion of the industry. But as I've gotten older, I've realized, as I said before, like, I'm more willing to try out. I'm not even more willing to try out. I just find that I play games that aren't first-person shooters more often. Um, I remember when I discovered XCOM and was like, I don't ever need another game. I could play this forever. Um <laughs> So it's 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 interesting because like I think that games like you are making where it's not first person, it's telling a story and and it gives you different ways to engage different verbs to engage with the world uh, other than like shoot and blow up. Um I think it's a really good time for those kinds of games because people are looking for different ways to approach this this medium. Um I know for a fact that the kids in my class would play this before they would play Call of Duty, which like is exciting to me because it means that indie developers have more power to make what they want to make instead of what has been made for years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's also as uh, players get older, I mean, uh, the people who grew up with video games now are like 40 and right. and they have uh, like developed a taste in games, they've uh, seen like a, a very broad um, way of, of how games can work, and and now they're interested in something new, something different, something that gives them an emotional reaction. As as people develop their taste in food or or movies or books, uh, I think uh, it's we see the same with games now. That as as the medium matures um, and and people mature with it. Uh, there's there's much more space and much more opportunity for for different experiences than it was in the 90s. Sure, 100%. You're also seeing a lot of <laughs> people that are leading studios become like dads, and so yeah. like <laughs> you encounter like Last of Us and God of War and like all these games where you see like <laughs> the main character be parents. Um, the dad it'll be boy. Yes, dad of boy, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that also changes, right? As this new generation of people comes in, because they're they'll be younger, right? But also, too, like the games that they're inspired by aren't going to be like Super Mario and Metal Gear. Uh, it's like the kids that I'm interacting with are like, starts their their inspirational games are like Skyrim and Fortnite. And it's like, what kind of games do they make in the future? And how weird are those things going to be? It's cool. Um, okay, so. Changing Tides is March 1st. You guys are yes. almost done with that. You're thinking about projects going forward. Um, again, without giving too many details, do you uh, think you will stay in the same kind of genre of games, or are you thinking about kind of changing it up? Like, is this 
kind of the mode that y'all are the most comfortable in? Um, or are you starting to like maybe think, because, you know, look at studios like Supergiant. They kind of stay in the same area, but then like super don't in aspects, small aspects. All their games kind of control the same way, but they alter little bits. And so the difference between Lone Sales and Changing Tides is clear and definitive. But are you thinking of staying in that same kind of visual and storytelling style or... <clears throat> Are you prototyping or thinking of other things? Um, I, I, go ahead. So, sorry, Philip. Which do you want? No. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, of course, it's way too early to say anything about uh, what we're going to do next. Um, sure. But right now, we're um, we're uh, really open to different things cool. uh, as well. So we're really trying to explore like all our possibilities right now and. We, we don't try to like tunnel vision too much on one thing or sure. the other so it's it's all very very open at the moment awesome I think what's what's uh, going to to stay is uh, is that we all wanted to do something uh, emotional I mean uh, in some capacity and and atmospheric is is kind of uh, I think these two things is is something that connects us all in the studio, um, and and will in some capacity uh, play a, a role in in what we're doing next. But um, yeah, it's it's way too early to to sure. say something distinct. Sure, sure, that's cool though. I uh, I like that you guys are kind of comfortable in the like emotional, personal storytelling because. I mean, not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody can do that. I think y'all have proven that you're good at it. Uh, and I'm excited to experience this next game. It, March 1st can't come soon enough. I don't know if I can make that any clearer. I'm just like, uh, can I go to sleep for two months? That'd be fine, right? Nobody would miss me. <laughs> um, oh, of course. Thank you. Uh, Far Lone Sales was a game that, like, you know how people, you have aesthetics, right? Sometimes you see a thing without like understanding what the gameplay is or what the story is going to be. You just see it and you go, oh, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. Um, Far was like maybe the second or third time I'd ever thought or experienced that. Um, and it's like a talent I've, I think, grown since then to like look at a thing and go, that's not for me or that is. And so like seeing the first trailer for Lone Sales, I was like, this looks awesome. And then I remember playing it, and the, the I don't know if it was instant, but the moment you get the sails and then open them, and the music starts in a way, and the world kind of transitions and motion kind of kicks in, and you start really moving, I was like, "Yep, this is yeah, this is this works." Um, so like, <clears throat> it's exciting to you know kind of encounter that and to like see that but i didn't expect you know the the game to impact me the way that it did and it again it's you know similar to games in in this pandemic like it was fortunate that it hit me in a certain situation or a certain point in life but like even replaying it last night like that none of that stuff left right like it's been years um it's been years since my my grandfather passed which was a big like connection I made with this game because like you start out and you're looking at a grave and I was like oh okay cool this is mm-hmm. um, but like it's been years since that specific event 
But I still have all of that connection to to this story and the way that it plays out and the, the impact that it has. So, yeah, I am genuinely excited to play the next one because, like, I mean, just as, as Fabio said, like, there's, I imagine I'll be able to notice some of the difference in this game because of the environment that it was made in and, like, how that impacted decision making and, like, as a journalist, that's like my favorite thing about video games. I don't like writing reviews based on like the mechanics were fun. The story was bad. It's more like how does this specifically interact with me as a person? Um, and like, yeah, I don't know. I think that this game has the potential to do that. And the last game did that in ways that I wasn't expecting. So good job. And thanks, I guess. <laughs> I mean, uh, thank you too. I mean, we back then when we read your uh, your review, or or I, I mean your your text about loan sales, sure. it was uh, I I actually had tears in my eyes. <laughs> so uh, I I think I no really uh, it, it it touched me um, in a way that that a, a review hadn't before because it we really. One could really feel how you felt when when uh, playing something we made, um, which which I think has to be what you aspire as a sure. as, as a medium creator yeah. um, to to like touch someone in an emotional way that they respond to it so intensely is 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 very rare or yeah. or is very very unique and and getting. That kind of feedback was uh, was I think one of the best moments in in, in like my game design career. Well, yeah, awesome! Like, I'm glad that I could I could do that. Sorry, go on, Fabio. I wholeheartedly agree. Like we were super like we were super super uncertain uh, in in the last couple of weeks of development. Like, okay, maybe this whole thing is too far of a stretch. Maybe we're not gonna be able to like touch people with it and sure. and um like reading re your review was like yeah okay i think it worked like yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. i think it was like knowing that you've made something that has truly touched someone is uh i think this was a huge feeling of success sure. really, because we didn't really like we didn't really know what we would be able to expect in in terms of like actually selling the game but just knowing that it has worked on an emotional level for for you or other people was was amazing yeah awesome i'm glad that that uh that that was able to do that for y'all like similarly for me writing like being independent i can't write reviews that people will go to first right people will go to ign or polygon for their reviews because they get stuff early and are able to put something out the day it's out or a couple of days before. So my, a lot of my process was like over the last, you know, 10 years has been kind of fine tuning how I can write about things that still make it worth reading. Cause review, like I said, reviews are already done. So it was about drawing those personal connections. And so like similarly writing something and then seeing the y'all, the people who made it, see what I wrote and emotionally respond to that, I feel like it was similar to you creating a game and seeing someone. I was so happy yeah. that like what I wrote meant something to the people that made it because like 
That doesn't happen all the time. I don't always get the attention of somebody. Or I don't always write things that are good. Sometimes writing is like, Meh. so I'm putting this out. <laughs> The, the you know the night I put it out the day I put it out and I'm like I hope people don't think this is bad and then I wake up to you know Goran and, and all of you saying nice things and I was like oh sweet <laughs> so I kind of can share in your experience but obviously because of what you made um, so you know I like that we can kind of engage on the same level but in different um, from different positions it's really fun um I don't want to keep you guys too long because I know your workday is uh, coming to an end. So to wrap up, I generally ask my guests a couple of questions. So I want both of you to answer them. Don't worry. They're not serious or anything. <laughs> the first one um, is if there was if you had the opportunity to reboot an old franchise you haven't played in years, which one would you pick and why? And then the second question is... Well, I guess this is a, <laughs> I don't generally, I haven't had to ask this question to actual, an actual development team yet. It's mostly been people in games, but not currently making something. So the second question is, if you could make any game about food, what would it be? Uh, we didn't talk about food this, this, uh, this podcast, but generally it always ends up being about food. So I'd try to make it about food at the very end, at least. So if you can make a game about food, what would it be? Um... So I'm going to make both of you answer both of these questions. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Philip. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, okay. If I if I could reboot any series that existed in in the past, uh, mm -hmm. what's the first question? What yep. what would I reboot? Uh, and was the question also if I could work on it, or was it just like please make? Uh, a sequel to series if you could X work on it yeah but does it change your answer if, if could, you could work okay, on it or okay, if you're just okay, like okay. telling someone to do it yeah exactly okay what, what's sure. the difference yeah can, can i i mean what what's the question <laughs> the first <laughs> I, or the second i've never had anybody ask me to specify that so it's kind of up to you um we'll do <laughs> i mean working on something is so much different from to like <laughs> yeah. just give me just another one of these <laughs> Okay, so do I mean which do which the the one that is not you working on it because that I think okay. will give you because you don't want to say like I want this game but I really don't want to work on it because that sounds like it would be tedious. So yeah, if you didn't have to work on it, if okay. you could just okay. like I mean, give them enough money to make it, what would it what would it be? I mean, I I have a, a very uh, deep connection to uh, Grim Fandango. Sure. Uh, made by by LucasArts back then, yeah. Uh, because it was for me the first game that pulled off uh, a world and a world building that felt so deep and rich um, as I've never ex uh, experienced before. Sure. So I I wouldn't want to have a sequel in in that way, but I I would love to experience these this this world again and and like uh, this style of of design and and storytelling sure sure that was uh tim schaefer at lucasarts too right yes yeah. and and uh, i think i don't know if ron gilbert as well worked on that one but definitely tim schaefer sure nice. um and for the second question a game about food yeah. uh i i love to cook 
Um, and we should have talked about food more this episode. <laughs> oh, no. We'll have to oh, podcast no. again and talk about food only. Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I would do something where I let the player experience experiment with food and and like uh i i really liked or always liked um the, have you seen uh was it also called ratatouille in in english yeah um yeah, yeah. yeah. okay uh and i i've always liked uh, how they pictured um, oh. cre- combining food uh yeah. with with uh, these like little sparkles and explosions and mm-hmm. uh uh where where they I thought it was a really interesting way to to visual uh, to make taste visual. Yeah, and I think uh, something in that way would be very interesting to work on and and try out and and create let sure. let let people create dishes that also had a visual effect. I don't know something yeah. in, in in that way. Yeah, would right. be quite interesting. That would be awesome. Ratatouille rules. That movie is incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I have two kids, and I uh, have not let them watch that yet, but that's going to happen soon, because you reminded me. <laughs> All right, you're up, Fabio. No more delaying. Oh, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> what would I relaunch? Uh, probably the Warcraft franchise. <laughs> sure. Okay. It's just starting over completely? Or with a new, with a new you know, expansion? You know, you know what I mean? Like, are we... Are we Starting from point continuing one. where it is now. No, okay. I think I would like to uh, recapture what really made the franchise appealing for me like 15 years ago. Sure. And kind of start from there. And uh, for a food game, I'd probably want to work on like a burrito shack tycoon or something. Sure. <laughs> that sure. would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Burritos are the most efficient form of food because you could just <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <laughs> but they're also extremely tasty. Yes, yes. What's your favorite kind of burrito? Is it like uh, Hispanic in cuisine? Is it like breakfast food? It, what, how, what's your favorite form of uh, of burrito consumption? Oh wow. Um, yeah, I know it's like making I, you pick a favorite kid, but I'm gonna make you do it. Yeah, almost. Like I think <laughs> I like um, the Mexican, like really the the Mexican kind of interpretation of the thing is sure. uh, probably my my go-to. Sure. If you're ever but, in the United States in Denver, they in Denver. claim that they are the creators of the breakfast burrito. And so, okay. like, every brunch place has their specific brunch or breakfast burrito. Um, I was there a couple months ago, and they might be right, because all of the burritos were incredible. But they're also so big that it was like <laughs> eating a cake <laughs> by yourself. So be prepared to take some home. But um, what, like, what would you put in a, what, what is the difference between a regular burrito and a, a breakfast burrito? Oh, eggs and bacon, dude. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so these big breakfast burritos will have, like, hash browns instead of, uh, like, rice. roasted potatoes or rice, right? Yeah. Um, eggs, uh, and then they'll... Generally, they will end up being Mexican in cuisine, in a way, because they'll have, like, hot peppers um, or... Well, just the hot peppers, honestly. <laughs> um, but then you can mix in, like... <laughs> <laughs> bacon you'll see uh some with sausage you also see some with like 
um, like pulled pork, but then they also Denver's really big on like their green salsa, which is it's such a distinct flavor. So like adding all of the the Mexican like spice to just breakfast food, hash browns, eggs, okay. sausage, bacon. Um, it's incredible. It's okay. incredible. Sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, if you're ever in St. Louis, I there's a, p- a couple places here that do it too. I'll make sure. But I don't think that you guys have any reason to come to the Midwest in the United States. It's kind of boring. Well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we make kind of boring games, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's not how no, I would describe no, them, but I can't. No, I, mean, I mean, it's it's like uh, we we like we like to experience uh, different uh, ways of 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 living or yeah. different ways of of uh, like uh, environment and and like see some stuff that that you you're not usually going to, to sure. visit so um i get it you're saying the loneliness the loneliness of far alone sales exactly. is like the midwest where i live i get yeah, it maybe a bit <laughs> no it's to- it totally is it totally is <laughs> if i try to drive to like chicago it's like five hours of empty cornfields and i'm like the world oh, ended wow. the world ended this is the end times exactly. and it's then over. yeah and then someone drives past you and you're like oh wait never mind it's just boring oh God. this is just like interstellar <laughs> Yeah, exa- that's exactly <laughs> where I, the the surrounding area that I live is. It's just nice. that. And in the specific times in the summer, the corn's high enough that you can't even see over it. So you're just driving in this like tunnel of corn. Of it's corn. great. Yeah, it's nice. great. Um, yeah, it's farmland is fascinating to me because it's so organized, but it's so boring when you have to drive past it for like three to five hours. <sighs> but it's okay. I enjoy it, and I have video games to play that make me not <laughs> make me not have to stare at it all day. That that make you uh, drive through deserts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is so much better than cornfields. I mean, it's different. That's really all it is. That's really all it is. It's just different than cornfields. It's anything I can do to get something a little different. <laughs> oh man! Well, thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for like talking to me, especially about. Changing tides. Did not know that that was going to be something we'd be able to talk about. So I'm happy. Um, if you guys need anybody to test it a little more, <laughs> we will let you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, if people wanted to follow you individually or uh, Okomotive as a studio, how would they? How would they do that? Probably Twitter um, at Okomotive. Okay. Um, or at at Far the Game. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, for underscore for... the game. Yeah. Is it underscore? Give me a sec. <laughs> I looked this up. I don't, and I don't think there's an underscore. I think it's just for the game. For the game. Yeah. You're right. At for the game, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, there you get all the news you need. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of uh, our most open channel to to communicate some news. Uh, we always do like little posts uh, sure. on if we have a new person working at Automotive and stuff like that. So yeah, how can people follow you if they wanted to, Phil? Um, at underline Phil Stern. Perfect. Uh, that's that's Twitter as well. Twitter as well. And perfect for me. It's um, at Fabio Bamgatore. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> Do you want to spell that for people that are uh, unaware? Oh God, um, Fabio, <laughs> B-A-U-M-G-A-T-O-R-E. Uh, if you want to follow anything that uh, I do or Nerdy Bits does, you can go to nerdybits.com or on Twitter at nerdy underscore bits. You can follow me at lovewub, L-U-B-W-U-B, short and simple. And uh, we get our music from Monster Cat. Our theme song is called Bubbles by, or no, I forgot which one it was. Our theme song is On My Way Up by Conroe. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, we have more episodes coming out with all sorts of stuff. So if you want to listen, follow those sites, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much, and see ya. Thanks, y'all. Cool. Thank you so much, Caleb. This was awesome. Yeah, it was was really fun talking to you. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, it was fun getting yeah, to really. like pick your brain about this game that I love so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was really great to finally talk to you after uh, yeah. having read your article a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, really thanks. Awesome. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that y'all liked it. And um, really, honestly, I'm just more thankful that y'all made the game that allowed me to write about it because. The article's cool, I guess, but it wouldn't have existed without the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's really the symbiosis, I think, and and I yeah, I'm really glad it resonated so so well with you. Yeah, it, it was. It's something I think about constantly, uh, and I cannot wait until I will probably be up late on you know the last day of February, <laughs> hoping that it releases you know at midnight my time or whatever. Um, but yeah. Uh, I can't. I mean, you, you got you got Game Pass. I do, don't you? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll get Otherwise, it. we 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 slipped you a copy, but uh, uh, I mean. Oh well, thanks. <laughs> you don't need to do that. I appreciate. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we can we can do anyway. <laughs> sure. I mean, it, it, yeah. I I am more than willing to give you all money because I think that you, the art you make needs to keep being made. Um, but if you accidentally find an extra one that lands in my lap a week before the game comes out, it was fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you're you're a journalist, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's for review purposes. It's not just exactly, to, exactly. I will, yeah, yeah. If you want to do that, I would be incredibly grateful. Um, but again, no, of course you don't have. I to think that. that shouldn't be a problem. Awesome. Well, uh, it's. It's late for y'all, and you've been working all day. Thanks again for for coming on, and and then uh, hopefully we can do this again at some point. Maybe after Changing Tides has been out for you know a couple weeks or a month, I can have you guys back yeah, on to talk about that or something. But that also, we have to podcast about food, Fabio. We have to talk about burritos for an hour. Now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> burritos are generally it's... underappreciated. I think. Yeah. <laughs> what if we made a Grim Fandango game? That was about burritos. Then everyone's oh my God. Uh, that that would work. That right? would definitely work. Right? Greatest it would be perfect. Game ever. Yeah. <laughs> we'll workshop this. We'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, guys. Uh, say thank you to really the rest cool of the you. Oh, thanks for thanks. It was really cool meeting y'all. Um it's not very often that, you know, people feel like they should talk to uh independent journalists from the Midwest in the United States. But you know, when it happens, I'm extremely grateful. Um, say thank you to everybody at the team and good luck the last couple of weeks or I guess a month and a half before the next one comes out and uh, 
things. This should this will go up tomorrow morning. So I'll post cool. about it on Twitter and and uh, and let you all know and share if you like. If not, that's fine. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thank you so Thank much. You so David. much. Have a great Have day. Have a nice uh, day. Thanks. Bye. Take, Take it care. easy. Bye bye. Thanks you too. Bye.